Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show. And Stone, this is going to be a fun one. Hey, it is. It's the home stretch, though, man. We have had such a great time today. We've been broadcasting live from Georgia State University's ENI. I love coming down here. I know I mention it every time that we open up an episode, but it is just so much fun, so inspiring, so invigorating. I enjoy talking to the young entrepreneurs with dreams on their heart and here at this facility, they seem to be as good as anyone at articulating those dreams. And I love visiting with the people who are guiding them and helping them get that path figured out. And first up on the episode this afternoon, we are going to visit with one such person. He's a part-time instructor with the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute here at Georgia State University. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Matt Bramblett. Good afternoon, sir. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, Matt, uh, tell us about your role here. You're an instructor? I am. I am completing my ninth consecutive semester. Consecutive. Uh, teaching personal here. best. That's my personal mm-hmm. best. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been a process of, of continually improving my performance, right? We, we focus a lot on students, but uh, I guess I can remember one of the reviews at the end of my first semester. I think one of the students said, hey, you know, pretty good. You'll get better. <laughs> nice, <laughs> something like that. Tough love, and huh? so uh, yeah. And I've I've striven to make it better and more engaging each semester. If we're not uh, doing the kind of methodology that we are teaching here in our own uh, area, like ENI itself is a startup, and as a as an instructor, I have to continuously experiment and improve to see what connects with my students. But my focus in terms of students are the non business students which uh, is interesting. Um, I didn't really anticipate when I joined ENI that um, those would be the students that I would be working most at, with, but uh, you've interviewed uh, plenty of my colleagues here at ENI, so you know that the nexus of this organization was it was meant to infuse entrepreneurial thinking and instruction and methodology throughout the entire university. Um, in, in other universities, sometimes entrepreneurship just really lives and stays in the business school, but that was not really the purpose here from the very, very outset. And one of the first programs that we offered was a certificate or a, a minor in entrepreneurship open to any major, uh, across the university. And, um, since that time we've assisted, uh, two of the other colleges or schools here, um, uh, in creating Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Degree Programs in Media Entrepreneurship, which uh, uh, your other guest Lexi is a part of, uh, and Social Entrepreneurship with the Andrew Young School. And uh, uh, I uh, work only with students right now that are coming from those programs. They, they've they not taken accounting classes. They've not taken marketing classes. Uh, in some cases, uh, it is the first business class that they've ever taken, which makes it just a, a really rewarding, fascinating process. Now, um, how do you feel about that? As Do you see entrepreneurship as business or do you see it um, kind of more inter- interdisciplinary? Just well, philosophically. I, to, for me personally, I believe that entrepreneurship is like an artist. I think you're you're creating something from nothing. So if you don't have that kind of mindset of an artist, then uh, 
it's it's more difficult. Yeah, I think it's a creative process. Uh, I, I think the the word may originate from French for adventurer or something like that. I think mm -hmm. I've read, but uh, yeah, it's always an Not adventure. Not for accountant. Uh, well, you can be you can be an entrepreneur and and uh, and be an accountant. Uh, we've certainly seen uh, uh, business institutions uh, pop up that uh, serve specific business needs uh, in a better way than than existed before. But I have a very broad viewpoint, a very broad definition of entrepreneurship, and some of this I've borrowed uh, from from other people along the way. But I think uh, generally an entrepreneur is just someone who sees the world through a different lens. They see the world in terms of opportunities, uh, of needs that could be filled, uh, whether those be for profit or otherwise. And the second half of that is they have to be someone who's action oriented. You got to do something about it. You can't just sit around and talk about, hey, I got this great, I got this great idea or we should solve, you know, world hunger. You have to be bent toward action. And I think uh, given that broad definition, then entrepreneurship applies um, equally across business institutions, uh, philanthropy, church, and state. Um, you know, we've seen entrepreneurial activities in, in all of those areas, even in our own uh, town of Atlanta here. You know, the, the cities of Sandy Springs and Johns Creek and South Fulton now are the results of entrepreneurial processes of seeing opportunity and then creating a new organization to meet that need. Uh, and we see that, obviously, with uh, philanthropic efforts as well. And uh, need I say more about churches? We see new churches uh, springing up all over to to meet the needs of their particular uh, target market. Now, when you're working with non-business students, what is kind of the mental shift that has to happen for them to really get the most out of the program? I, I think the first thing I like to do with them is to to show them that there's already a lot that they know and don't realize it. And, and the reason is, by the time they get to school in the morning, they've probably already done business with or traded with a half a dozen business institutions. And just getting them to think in terms of, hey, I just, I, I was a customer of that company, whether it was the gas station or, um, you know, the jump scooter or Uber or uh, McDonald's when you pulled in the drive-thru to grab a biscuit, and thinking in terms of, uh, what's the business model for them? You know, what does success look like for them? How, what might be issues in scaling that business and, and making it bigger and growing it? Um, if, if we can get students to understand that because they're just living, right, and, and, and they're living in America where business is such a foundational right. institution for, for our economy, uh, that they already know a lot about business and to kind of start seeing uh, their life through uh, business goggles, so to speak. And, and that, that kind of helps solidify some of the things that we then teach in the class. And that's, that's an important uh, point because a lot of times people don't understand the business behind whatever the activity is. Like that's where a lot of like these privacy issues have happened with websites that people didn't – it didn't click that I'm getting all this free stuff from this website. That's exactly right. That maybe I'm the product. Like they didn't realize that, right? Yeah. They they're... thought that they're just like – wow, Google's so generous. You know, I get email and I get to search and all this stuff and they don't realize that they might be what the uh, transaction, the currency there. Well, there's nothing that's free <laughs> ever. And, uh, you know, I was uh, I was trained in, as an undergraduate to, to never even say the words free enterprise mm -hmm. as uh, my professors mm -hmm. and nothing's free. 
<laughs> but isn't that? But it's a mental shift. They don't see it that way. Yeah, they thought you, you Facebook have to understand. Was free, yeah, you right? look at that and say, okay, so how? Um, and and how could it so, be free? Yeah, we grew up in an era where uh, you know te- linear television was the you know the main media, uh, and and we understood that okay, well, television's free. Actually, television's still free today over the air. But it's not really free because you're paying with your attention, paying with your eyeballs. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the younger generation uh, has grown up with different technologies and different access to different medium. Uh, so uh, they don't necessarily connect with it in the same way. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think uh, as, they, as they think about uh, how they might create an entity to, do, to solve some problem, understanding that uh, free can be a business model as long as there's some other party willing to be a part of... At some point, money has to change hands somewhere. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so we look at all different kinds of business models. Matter of fact, we cover that uh, uh, pretty extensively in terms of, well, a business model is just simply, well, how do you make money? Right. And uh, it's, you know, it describes, uh, you have to be able to articulate the value that you're bringing. And, and this is something that I see not only uh, with my work with students, but with more experienced people that are going through, say, ATDC's customer discovery program mm-hmm. or at the farm. Um, and, and that is the uh, sometimes difficulty they have in articulating the problem that they're solving. And that is the beginning of any new institution. If you're not solving a problem, you're not going to get very far. Right. And when I say solving a problem, I mean, I, I, we, we talk about solving problems, but it could be providing a gain. Um, you know, when you talk about new entertainment companies or gaming, are you solving a problem? Yeah, you know, you're providing a gain that people want, but you're, you're providing a gain, uh, reducing a negative or uh, uh, providing a product or service that gets a job done that somebody wants done. Now, what's your backstory? Uh, obviously, you weren't. You didn't go to school to be a professor of entrepreneurism. Well, how how back do you want to go? I mean, I could go back as far as a gas can and a push more, but uh, well. So you were always an entrepreneur. Uh, I think I always had a little little bit of that leaning. Maybe that goes back to seeing my grandfather uh, as a farmer, figure out every way he could to make money, um, and feed his family. Uh, I think uh, in in college, a buddy of mine and I had a commercial cleaning company, and. As I look back on it, we probably should have just kept going with that and scaled it up and turned it into the in the biggest cleaning company in Atlanta. But I guess I was tired of cleaning other people's toilets at 5 a.m. So I took a job in commercial banking. And uh, it turned out to be a really uh, good move for me because, um, you know, I haven't really uh, kept up with, with how banks are now bringing in young people into the right. Back then they would put you through a very extensive management training program. Um, anything that you learned about finance in college, they're going to do it all over again, uh, so that you have a, a really good understanding of how to analyze, uh, your business customers and then help fill their financing needs. And so every day, every week at the bank was a different kind of company that I'm working with. So I'm learning about different markets, different companies, different business models. And you have to understand the financials of how they did business. So exactly. Did. Yeah, how do you make money right. and, and how do you pay back loans, more importantly, for the right. bank, right? Exactly. So that formed um, a very, very solid foundation for me in understanding not just the numbers, but the problems that companies face in 
uh, scaling their business and growing. And, you know, the, the, the problems that family-owned businesses face when, you know, uh, passing off to the next generation. Um, there are just a variety of things that you're exposed to when you work in banking. And uh, I, I found that uh, it was very rewarding. But at some point, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I need, I need a new adventure. So I went back to Georgia Tech and, and did the MBA program there and uh, uh, thought that I wanted to be an investment banker until I realized that, well, those guys work about 80 hours a week. <laughs> so uh, um, I had an opportunity to go to work for a startup company, which isn't really much better. <laughs> right. <laughs> but at least it was an adventure. But you got paid less. That's uh, the advantage. I did. I actually got paid less. Yeah. So um, the uh, at Georgia Tech, I was exposed to the Advanced Technology Development Center for the first right. time. Which and is that, one of the country's oldest incubators. It is, uh, I think, with Rensselaer, uh, with RPI, probably the two oldest uh, incubators in, in the country. And, and uh, ATDC, of course, serves all of Georgia. It's not, right. it's it's not, not just, just Georgia for Georgia Tech. Tech, right? Yeah, they have, they have divisions that, that serve, that, that look inward at Georgia Tech, but ATDC serves all of, of the, state. Uh, the state's citizens. And uh, so uh, at that time, uh, ATDC was playing... Um, matchmaker between uh, serial entrepreneurs and uh, researchers, academics that were doing they still edge are. work. They still are. <laughs> they they kind of do that within the Venture Lab right. organization now. But I had an opportunity to go to work for uh, some guys that had uh, teamed up with a Georgia Tech professor, and uh, they wanted to uh, basically uh, make it possible to stream video uh, seamlessly and at high quality over lossy networks, the public internet, which really wasn't before it was cool. Before it was cool. This was before Netflix. You know, this is when Netflix was, uh, you know, sending, sending DVDs, DVDs around to the, the mail. mail. And, uh, so uh, I was hired very early, uh, one of the first hires and my job was basically to, Hey, where are we going to go? You know, find us an early customer, find us the, the right market. And, uh, you know, timing is everything. And, and at that time, broadband was considered to be 200 kilobits per second to the home and not very many people had it. So nobody was making money in streaming video. There were a lot of people making money in video, but it wasn't being streamed over open networks and those were cable operators. Right. And so we did a lot of the things that today would be called customer discovery, but didn't exist before, you know, Steve Blank came out with, uh, you know, four steps to the epiphany. So, uh, we were able to find, um, in pretty short order that there was a need in the cable television space for a new kind of video encoder. And uh, it enabled uh, cable operators to convert their networks to all digital. It was the first software-based encoder uh, that was introduced to that market. So uh, uh, that was a great experience. It had all kinds of ups and downs. We raised venture capital. We went on half pay sometimes. You know, it was just, uh, it was one of those things where some days you're like, why did I do this? And other days you're like, I can't believe I've I ever done anything do this. with this. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the combination of those experiences, uh, has, you know, working for the bank, doing some small ventures on my own and then working for, uh, sort of a growth company, uh, kind of have given me like a package of experience that I think I can bring to the classroom and help students connect a little bit better with the material. And what's your most rewarding part of doing this kind of work with the students? Well, I think when students come up to me at the end of the class, uh, at the end of the semester, and, and you know, tell me that they got something valuable, uh, that, that's rewarding. Uh, of course, I want to stay in touch with these students and, and see them succeed. That's really what they want to do. Sometimes that's going to take a few years out uh, before they're on their feet. But um, 
it's um you know that that's the rewarding thing is to see that they're they're connecting with the material they're they're getting a passion for business which uh i don't know if y'all can tell i have a little bit of that um hopefully that's that's contagious with them and and uh and they understand that you know business is kind of taking it on the chin a little bit these days right you know greedy wall street and all of that stuff but um, if you think of it, there's there's no evil institutions, right? There's even, you know, there's people that right. that do bad, but but the business institutions are are just so critical uh, to to our country. Um, you can't retire without them. Um, you know, eighty percent of us are going to work for them, right? right. You know, and the businesses don't exist to create jobs, but we do in the by as a byproduct of of pursuing uh, uh, profitable revenue. So uh, businesses are good. And that's that's kind of the um, well, you're kind of the message the choir here. Yeah, I want to get I want to get that thing. message across to students. <laughs> that's what we do every day. Now, uh, for you, do you have any advice for that uh, student entrepreneur? Well, I um, I have advice for students. I, I, I'm kind of a combination of of a teacher, of a dad, uh, and I too have skin in the game here at Georgia State. I have a, a son who's a sophomore here. And I hope people are being hard on him. Um, but uh, my advice is both personal uh, and and for you know their journey as entrepreneurs. But the personal advice is that you have to define what success means for to you in your own terms. You can't base your idea of success on somebody else's idea. You're just going to be you know uh, pursuing the wrong goals. And uh, we, we see in the news that, well, this startup company did this, that, or the other, and, and that's what I should go for. If you want to have a gift shop on Main Street USA, go, go open up it. a gift shop right. on Main Street USA. You are no less an entrepreneur uh, than uh, Zuckerberg. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if you're led into the ministry and you want to open up a new kind of church, you know, you're no go less an entrepreneur uh, right. than Zuckerberg. Um, the other thing I would say is um, that um, – in terms of your career, and, and, and a lot of our students are going to go to work for somebody else first. They're not going to just start businesses right out of school. That's the reality of it. And when you when you take that first job, the energy, the attitude, the professionalism, and the work ethic that you take into that first job is going to set you on the trajectory in your career. It's not to say that you can't recover from a first bad experience, but those things are all within your control as a young person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take control of them and make sure that you make yourself very valuable to that, to that first employer. And the last thing is get, this is the time in your life to get control of your spending habits. People look at me like, what are you talking to students? Well, this is the, so there's the global entrepreneurship monitor. That's a, a joint venture, I guess, between Babson and London business school. And they study global entrepreneurial activity. And some st some statistics that they've they've put forth about U.S. businesses on average it takes about sixty five thousand to to start a business. Now that's average. Averages can be misleading. Uh, your business might require less. But the other stat is that sixty five percent of that is coming from the founders. You can't start a business if you've not saved anything. So even if you're 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 struggling as a student, you've got to figure out a way to to live within your means. And you can't go chasing everything that everybody has because you'll never have any money. And income and wealth are two different things. And uh, those are topics that we cover in the class. And uh, actually, they're, 
they're things that students really just eat up. They're, they're interested in investing. They're interested in learning about the stock market. And we try to cover a little bit of that so that they're a little more well-rounded when they're coming out. They're just not talking about credits and debits and right. cash flow. Well, if you can teach them about compounding, they're going to be ahead of the game. First day of class. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your it's story. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, and, and I want to say thank you for your service. And I know that phrase is most often associated with military service, and I don't want to diminish that at all, but I am quite sincere when I say thank you for your service because the kind of impact that you're having, I, we can't measure the kind of impact that someone like you is having on our culture, on our country, on our economic system because of what you're in there doing every day to influence these young people who are coming through this uh through the systems. I'm quite sincere when I, when I say that. Uh, I will also echo a couple of things that you mentioned. I did not get that messaging quite as early as some of the people at this table are getting it and some of your students, but I was very fortunate that pretty darn early in my career, a very early mentor for me did counsel me in both of those areas. And I got to tell you guys, if you can not go into debt it's it's a it's a level of freedom that apparently not a lot of people get to experience, and freedom being such an important value to me, it, it's meant everything in the world to me. So, thank you for that part of your service too, for sharing that message. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, stay with us. We're going to visit with some other folks. All I'm right? here. All right. Next up on this episode of GSU ENI Radio, we have with us media entrepreneurship student and soon to be colleague at Business Radio X, man. We got to talk to, we got to get her over there over at our shop. Uh, please join me in welcoming to the show, Miss Lexi Newhouse. How are you? Doing good. Thank you so much. So I know you've been exposed. It, it must be so much fun to just be uh, living in this environment. The, the, I mean, it's going to sound hokey, but the, just the vibrations in these halls has got to be incredible. And what did you pick up, if anything, new, different, uh, invigorating from the last five or 10 minutes there? Right. I mean, I having uh, Professor Bramblett in class my sophomore year, it was my first business class. Um, yeah. So I think just learning those business skills and learning how to market yourself. It. I was, I was actually an entrepreneur and didn't even know it. At the time, I was doing contract media work. And really, I just viewed it as fun projects. But, you know, he began realizing that you're marketing towards a specific audience, you're selling it. Um, so just learning those business skills overall was beyond helpful. Now, what drew you to the media entrepreneurship program? Right. So I had, um, I went to Wheeler High School, which is was the first STEM certified uh, high school magnet program in the state and now STEAM certified with arts. Um, so I focused on genetics um, and I did ELISA testing there in the genetics department um, and so kind of a, a complete turn coming here, coming into more creative sphere. But one of the reasons that this interdisciplinary program attracted me so much was that I didn't have to compromise between being a creative and a researcher. I mean, really, entrepreneurship is is leveraging that creativity, that problem solving with research. So, you know, who your market is, how you're selling it. So now what is your dream? What are you uh, going to use the degree for? Because you're getting close to, not at the very end, but close to the end. Yeah, we're getting there, approaching <laughs> senior year. Um, but I I think whatever I do, it's I'm not necessarily, I'm going to be making the title for it. It's going to be a new opportunity uh, that I'm not even aware of. Um, 
Kazi and I, which you'll hear from in a little bit, we're currently working on a venture. So um, I definitely see myself in the startup space moving forward after graduation. Do yeah. you do you hear in her voice though? And this is another thing that I think people like you, Professor, uh, help uh, inculcate, cultivate it in people. The comfort level that this young lady has with ambiguity. She she has. I I, I feel like it is um, uh, informed optimism. I don't think it's naivete. I really don't. But there's a certain degree of comfort that you have around ambiguity and not having all the answers that I don't know that many of your peers do. I, do you guys see that? Do you see that, Lee? Yeah, I think that um, right now, especially they've grown up at a time where technology changes so rapidly, it's hard to even know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, for Lexi, you've got to experience a lot of these new technologies. You want to talk about some of the work that you're doing with augmented reality and some of the newer kind of uh, fun little toys that are out there? Of course. So in high school, um, I did video production. So that was, um, you know, some animation, uh, post-production, editing, things like that. So now coming into this space and seeing all these advanced technologies that are emerging, um, it's it's quite a leap. So um, I'm now in the augmented reality space. Um, so I know, why don't you educate the people who aren't familiar what augmented reality is as compared to like virtual reality? Sure. So with virtual reality, you have to put on a headset to um, to actually like visualize the images that you're seeing versus augmented reality. You can just use your smartphone and open up the camera. And then when you scan a certain device, there'll be targets within that. For example, if you put targets on a book and you scan the cover of a book, um, an image, a 3D object will appear. So you don't necessarily have to buy additional technologies to use augmented reality, which makes it you know, much more affordable and accessible as a technology. And then there's lots of creativity around it right now. A lot of, like I've seen um, where you can place a character in, like we could have, the, we're around a table right now, and we could put a celebrity at the head of the table waving and dancing and then if you watched a video of that, it would look like the person was in the room with us. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's going to become more interactive. So you can start asking questions and they can interact back versus just having them there and acting out. Right. So you're seeing a, kind of the edges of this right now. Correct. Now, what's it like when you're taking a class or I'm assuming you're taking some class or seeing this in action? How How is that being kind of taught to you? So I actually learned how to code augmented reality by myself. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing with a lot of, um, especially the media entrepreneurship students, is they give us the facility, you know, and the mentorship that we need. But ultimately, um, if we want to create it, we're going to go out there and create it and create it. And then are you collaborating with other um, students and professors? How does that work? Right. So um, Kazi is a co-founder. So he leverages his business background with that and I'm more so the creative side um and then as well as our wonderful ENI professors they'll stay till late mentorship us I mean there's been times what's your startup um so it's called paper it's an augmented reality platform that's bringing books off the page into the real world so we're seeing that students that are transitioning from picture books to full-on novels um, their overall levels of reading comprehension are decreasing. So it's for younger? Right. So it's around third to fifth grade. It really depends um, on the school. But um, we see that their level of comprehension decreases with the lack of visual aids. 
And then so uh, what is your solution? So it would be um, augmented reality. So a student can open up their smartphone, their camera, scan the cover of a book or the end of a chapter, and that will unlock um, a 3D augmented reality character that can ask them questions about the material they just read. Um, so they have that interactive component to mm -hmm. it. And uh, what stage are you at right now with this? So we currently have a 2D model working. Um, the book that we are focusing on is Percy Jackson, mm -hmm. um, a pretty you know familiar title. Um, but moving forward, we're looking to bring that 2D model into a 3D model and then make that interactive so they can't ask questions. So now, um, did you go through the whole um, kind of buyer's journey? Like how, how far along, like are you using the blank canvas? Uh, like what did you do to kind of validate the concept right so the idea came out of startup weekend which is a 54-hour startup competition where you you pitch ideas and you start from scratch and then you build this um so we conducted customer discovery throughout the weekend um i had a contact at scholastic so we pitched the idea to her got some feedback um and, and she kind of validated that for us and then what about did you put it in the hands of kids or it's too preliminary to let an actual consumer use it? Right. So we're still in the research stage. So um, we also conducted a survey with 40 educators to see what problems they're experiencing in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been another uh, point of focus for us. And then what about a kind of the buyer? Is it the buyer of the book company? Like Scholastic would be the buyer of this? Right. Um, so we have a few revenue models, but the primary one would be the children's books publishing companies. And then... Um, what you're doing the actual coding part yeah so at the moment you're learning that's yep. why it's 2d right now exactly yeah. it's a work in progress <laughs> so you need more learning to get 3d exactly so now going through this process what has been the funnest part for you i think just the fact like i never could have imagined i could have coded an augmented reality app like at all i mean i had no coding experience going into this um so i i think um just moving forward you can't tell yourself you can't do it until you do it. So. Well, you had a problem to solve, and who else was going to do it? Exactly. And then so you had to do it. Now, um, are you going to do more pitch contests? What are you going to do? Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I participated in the Wiser's um, Big Ideas for a Bright Future pitch competition, and I um, I took home first place, which was fantastic. So thank for you again. For this concept? Uh, yes, with this concept, yep. And I've participated in a few other pitch competitions in the past with other ideas. Um, so, I, you know, don't be discouraged if you don't win your first pitch competition because it's a long way coming. Um, uh, but that's been the most recent. How does ENI help you with pitch competitions? Are, are there people here to hear your pitch and give you advice? Or is this, are you kind of alone on this? Oh, no, no. They, they bring in the entire okay. office. We pull it up on the big screen. They provide feedback. I mean, there's been times... The sun has gone down, and we were here late, you know, after the fact, the day before a pitch competition. Wow. And they've been helping, so. So now, um, you've really gotten a lot out of this ENI program. But in high school, were you aiming at an ENI program, or this was just kind of an accidental thing, and now you're kind of all in? Right. So I came in with the media entrepreneurship major thinking that I was exclusively going to focus on the media part. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to take Professor Bramblett's class. I'll be Let done with business. Let me just get this out of the way. Right. I'll be good. <laughs> and here we are, like complete turn on its head. Now I'm taking majority E&I in business classes, 
you know, and then learning this creative stuff on the side. All right. So one of the things that they learn as they go through this process is to get help, right? So tell us about your colleague. Introduce your colleague. Let's get some input from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, Kazi is a co-founder. Um, we we worked together at E&I, um, and we had no idea that this idea was going to come along, and it worked out perfectly because um, I, I could provide the creative insight that we needed, but he has so much business experience that could lend more to the financial side, the accounting side. Um, so we just ended up uh, becoming a very strong team, and we're excited to carry this through. All right, so who found who, or did Professor Bramlett make this match, or how did that come to be? <laughs> so, um, well, the idea, as we said, stemmed from the Startup Weekend event. Being involved with the ENI and, okay. you know, being just very entrepreneurial in nature, we decided to take this opportunity and go there. So I went there and I pitched this concept of creating a platform where children could see the visual aids come to life while they're reading. And I had to go and poach her because she was trying to go to another team. <laughs> 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 that would have been a bad move, Lexi, but I'm glad uh, <laughs> you stuck around. Out. It worked out. And so we had three other members during that competition, mm -hmm. and we worked alongside them and created this whole idea, the business model and the MVP as well. So now when you're doing something entrepreneurial like this, are, tell me about kind of your background and family. Are, are they entrepreneurs? Are they kind of supportive of your Yeah, your absolutely. Work? So I was born and raised in Bangladesh, and I moved here around three years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the family of entrepreneurs, my grandparents, my parents as well. So they're in the augmented reality business. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not yet. I'll convince them someday. But, you know, my grandfather was in construction. My father was in, you know, food. My mom's a designer, has her own little boutique store. And, my, you know, my first experience with entrepreneurship was in the seventh grade. Uh, I was in high school then, and there was a huge trend with wristbands. So I knew someone who had contacts to a factory in China. So I thought, you know, let's leverage this. I asked him if he could print out some wristbands for me. And he said yes. So I went to my classmates and said, hey, I have this cool design. I'm going to give it to you in two weeks. Just give me a money in advance. So <laughs> I love it, right? That's good. That's, that's hey, good front, man. That's good. And it said, what would Kazi do on there? <laughs> no, no, no. It was just the name of our class, you know, just a celebrity thing. But they gave me the money. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out because the prints were wrong. And that had to deal with the whole thing. I had all this inventory, but no one to sell it to because the prints were incorrect. So it was that was spelled my wrong? It was spelled wrong, yeah. So no one bought it, and I probably still have 500 wristbands it's sitting in my drawer somewhere. <laughs> but that was my first failure. And I used that experience in 11th grade. We had the first prom in our high school, and prom was a foreign concept in the whole country. So I thought, you know, there's a gap in the market. Yeah, that like, would be cool if they had a misspelled name. <laughs> that would be a cool, trendy thing that everybody should have. Absolutely. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? No one's selling corsages or boutonnieres because that doesn't exist in this country. So I leveraged my resources. My so mom. So how did you know that was a thing? So um, you had done research on yes, American yes, proms? Yeah. So, you know, I was looking, well, what suit do you know, wear? What color to wear? I said, oh, these are such cool flower mm -hmm. ornaments. I should do this. So I asked my mom, and she's a creative, so she designed the corsages and boutonnieres. Mm -hmm. And I sold that. And I think in two days I made $500. And in, in Bangladeshi currency, that is a lot of money for a high school student. Wow. And since then, I've just tried to figure out ways I can feed this bug. And that's how. So how did you find Georgia State? Um, so my uncle and aunt live in Georgia. Uh -huh. And I immigrated here three years ago. And one of my uncles actually went to Georgia State for his master's in computer information systems. And he told me how amazing the business school was right. and the time that he had here. 
and that's why I'm here. So now, how has it been for you? It's been amazing. Um, I've tried to be as involved mm-hmm. as I possibly can, humanly right. can. And, you know, Georgia State's so unique because there are so many different types of people here from different backgrounds. And just having the ability to interact with them, like, you know, hearing their stories, that's changed my perspective. It's opened me up to various new thought processes that I could have never imagined. Now, what about kind of how you imagined America and going to college? Is it how you imagine? It's very different, I would say. You know, the only idea I had of America was from Friends, <laughs> just American television. From uh, well, the TV show from Friends, yeah, not yeah. your Friends. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's been a very interesting experience, to say the least. So now, but has it matched it? Has it been less than or more than? I think it's been more than, especially at Georgia State University, more than I could ever expect it. What about from your own friend's standpoint? How's your circle of friends like here? Yeah, my, my friends love it here as well. Uh, my friends from high school, they all went to different states around the U.S. So, I so friend, from yep. Bangladesh, yep. they all came to America? Yes, yes. The majority of them came to America. So I have friends studying in New York, L.A., right. So you Chicago. compare notes? Yeah, yeah. When they come to Georgia State to visit Atlanta, they love it here. and they Because no one's ever heard of Atlanta back there. Really? It's not one of those famous cities. Yeah. But once they come visit... We had an Olympics here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they fall in love just as I did. Uh-huh. So now, how do you see your future panning out? Well, after graduation, I want to... After you sell millions of paper, <laughs> paper, how do you pronounce it? Paper. Paper. Yeah, it's a play on the... Uh, paper. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> um, well, personally, I would like to pursue a career in consulting initially. As mm-hmm. Professor Bramlett said, you know, his corporate um, America experience in banking really allowed him to see various companies right. and understand their business models. So I believe that going to consulting will give me that same opportunity to see how different corporations function companies functions and then i can use those ideas and work on okay now let's play out this scenario you keep entering these startup contests and then you win one of these you win the hundred grand and they go okay commercialize this yeah so now what are you still going to be a consultant what are you gonna do no no if if we if i you know timing is key and if we see the opportunity i'm definitely gonna give it my all what if one of you sees the opportunity the other one wants to get a real job no, no, no. I think we'll both <laughs> pursue this. And we're all holding multiple jobs and projects at the yes. same time. So if anything, anything be a side Yeah. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Both This is for both of you. You got a bunch of ventures going. Paper is one of them. So is this where you're just throwing stuff against the wall and whatever sticks, that's what you're going to follow through with? Or you can't keep them all, all the balls in the <laughs> air, know, right? Yeah. I mean, I can say I have a wall just covered in sticky notes of ideas. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Ideas uh, are cheap. It's execution <laughs> that's yeah. costly. But because we're so involved with the ENI here and the professors, we speak to them, see how what mm-hmm. their take is on. And we, you know, we go to other mentors as well. And based on the interaction, the feedback we get, we see, oh, this is, the idea is great or it's not. And we just do an elimination process. So now um, I'm going to bring Matt back in this. Now tell me about how this mindset of an entrepreneur is going to help and serve them no matter what they decide to do. Well, this is a skill that corporate America is trying to figure out. Uh, You know, for for our largest, um, most well-established companies, they're trying to figure out how they can continue to think entrepreneurially to stay Right. This is like a, position. It, it's, it's so one they of need those people soft like skills, uh, you know, that is has a lot of practical use. It, it is. And, and uh, a lot of people believe that, well, you know, entrepreneurs are, are born that way. And there are some there are some traits, I think, that uh, that we see that 
that entrepreneurs have in common, but I don't think there's any particular kind of person that you say is an entrepreneur. Um, you certainly say lazy. I guess we can eliminate that one, right? <laughs> right. Um, well, they take action. Yeah, they take it's action. It's not just dreamers. And, and, yeah. Just so it's it's something. a it's a way of looking at the world. If if you're if you're in a Fortune 500 company, you know you're in a role. You're whether you know it or not, you're seeing opportunities every day. You're seeing problems that haven't gotten solved yet. And um, whether whether the company's looking for someone who can solve problems internally or get them into new markets this kind of thinking and the methodology behind it. And that's the thing I think that we're focused on here is that uh, this methodology can be taught, it can be learned, and it can be uh, replicated over and over again. And that's the kind of skills that, that companies are looking for. Now, Lexi, you've been involved in a lot of different startup activities here in the city. Any favorites for you? Oh, there's a lot of really great things going on. So currently I'm interning with Invest Atlanta in their innovation and entrepreneurship department. Um, and, and they're running the Students to Startups program. So they're placing students at startups across Atlanta, um, you know, fueling that tech pipeline to keep people in Atlanta and grow that ecosystem. Um, so that's a great program. The Women's uh, Entrepreneurship Initiative is another great one. Love Thai Atlanta. There's a lot of really great things going on down here. Now, what about kind of the pipeline to Silicon Valley? Right. So I'm I'm really excited because through the Panthers in the Valley program through the Robinson College of Business, um, 14 students will be going to Silicon Valley in October, and I'm fortunate enough to be one of them. So um, hopefully being there, you know, face to face with the startups, seeing what Silicon Valley is doing with their ecosystem. And what how long how long are you going to spend there? I believe it's about five days. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a great opportunity. So now. um Looking at Georgia State's entrepreneurship program, how would you pitch it to maybe high school kids or people that are considering different college opportunities? Right. So I think a lot of it is is the ecosystem and what opportunities are available. So I mean, at ENI, we we were funded to go to Startup Weekend, different competitions. They have the mentorship. Then of course we have other resources like Launch GSU, X Lab. Um, so I think what really makes Georgia State stand out is that all of the resources are here. You just have to be a go-getter and actually take advantage of them. Um, and, and so that's something I try to stress with, with high school students is that you do have to take advantage of them. Right. It's a, it, They're not going to do it for you. Right. You got to want it. You got to go out and, and kind of be involved. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, good things can happen, right? Exactly. Just to add to Lexi's points, you know, Georgia State definitely has countless resources, but the students aren't necessarily aware of them or don't take advantage of them. We've been lucky enough to, you know, take advantage of every opportunity that's right. But is it luck? I mean, you're proactively <laughs> doing the work. It's not Absolutely. like you're sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring mm -hmm. and help they go, "Hey, here's a great opportunity. You should do this." They're making their own luck. That's right. I mean, then that's what it takes, and that's what I think makes Georgia State unique in the university. You have a lot of people that take advantage of this stuff. Their grinders are out there battling every day, and a lot of first generation students here that have to kind of work a little harder because they don't have the support and role models that some of the other students have at different colleges. So good for you. I mean, it isn't luck. So now what's next? What do you guys need for if, if to make paper a reality instead of an augmented reality? <laughs> what do you need? Well, we really do need to bolster our tech team. So getting a proper CTO would be the next step because, you know, we can take care of the business side, the creative side, but we need 
the technology so you side. need somebody that can code in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I thought they were going to throw out a number for you. <laughs> <laughs> what, how are you going about finding that person? I mean, here is a great place to look. We just have to go next door to the creative, creative media. media. Exactly. Just put a little poster up. Exactly. So now you think the person could be here. Oh, easily. Georgia easily. State has a very strong talent pool. So we just have to leverage that. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for sharing your story today. Is there any coordinates for you if somebody wanted to connect? Any uh, LinkedIn, website, anything you guys have? Yeah, I think definitely connecting to us on LinkedIn would be great. So Kazi Huck, Q-A-Z-I-H-A-Q. Or... And Lexi Newhouse, L-E-X-I-E, Newhouse, N-E-W-H-O-U-S-E. Good stuff. What about you, Matt? You're on the down low. Well, just here, <laughs> mbramlett at gsu.edu or just mattbramlett at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing your story today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We'll see you all next time on GSU's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show. Nice. Done, gang. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Y'all made uh, what could have so been fun. intimidating. Yeah. I appreciate it.